Everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Impossible Until Possible podcast. Today, I am delighted to have Charlotte Edwards with me, who is a whirlwind property developer. Seems to have picked it up very, very quickly and done amazing things. And I'm really excited to dig into this story because my development journey has been um, short-lived as well. So we can kind of hopefully share some, some good tips with you all. But Charlotte, first of all, thank you for coming on board. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So let's just dive into kind of who Charlotte is and um, how you got involved in property. I know there's a bit of a backstory there with the family business. And, um, you know, I think you've, you've managed to turn things around. So would you mind just sharing that with us a bit so we can understand and the, the listeners can get a feel for who, who you are and what you do? Yeah, sure. Um so I first got into property two years ago. So we're talking about when COVID just kind of hit the scene or was like being talked about, but it hadn't really come through yet. Um, so I lost um, both my brother and my dad really suddenly, both through cancer, different types of cancer was like completely random. Um, but they both passed away very suddenly with cancer two years ago, uh, within months of each other. Um my brother was only 28, my dad was 68. So they, you know, were both respectively quite young. Um, they both ran a family property business together, their property development. Um, and before they'd got ill, they had acquired a site, a building site for 25 houses. So it was just a, you know, a muddy field basically with planning permission on um that yeah. had been purchased. There was finance site against it. Um and I'd never been involved in the business whatsoever before. I was a marketing consultant um, and I had to give up my job and very quickly learn how to build houses. <laughs> Which isn't a quick thing to learn, by the way. <laughs> Just in no, case it's not. I'm still, le- I'm still learning now. <laughs> okay. And uh, I mean, sorry to hear about, obviously, your brother and your father, um, you know, but let's dig into your quick wind i mean property development is a total different ball game to your refurbishment type projects you might still not know the difference if you've not been doing any little stuff but typically most people start on the little stuff and then move towards the property development i've gone the um, other way around i've gone yeah. back I like i've started doing the refurbs now as well <laughs> yeah it's For definitely a lot easier yeah i was gonna say it's definitely a lot easier <laughs> to do the refurbs um I, I dived into property development about 14 months ago and been through the, the run of that and is still going through it, the joys of councils and planning permissions and all that fun stuff. So um, so let's listen. How did you educate yourself? That's got to be the first question because building 25 houses, knowing very little about property, if anything, I mean, that's just incredible. So how did you get started? What did you do? Um. Well, the first time I turned up on site in my office clothes, I thought this is a mistake. I like, I, first of all, I need to like dress like I'm in this. So um, I tried to like, I went to the local like builders merchants and the clothing stores. I was like, hey, I'm working on a building site. Have you got any clothes for women on site? No, nothing. Any shoes my site? No, nothing. <laughs> like, so it just wasn't, it took me a few weeks to be able to find actual just even clothing that was suitable to work outdoors on a building site, just like the safety, basic safety yeah. boots and things. So once we've got that established, I mean, I tried to um, enroll onto kind of like site management or construction industry courses, but I couldn't get onto them because I had no experience. 
and I kind of explained my situation. I was like, hey, I'm in this situation where I have to build these houses. I have no experience. I don't have a choice. I have to do it. I was like, sorry, like you have to have six months experience to be on our course. I went, okay, fine. I'll, I'll teach myself then. So I just, um, books, podcasts, Instagram, um, anything I I'm just being on site and speaking to everybody that came on site and I and just saying like hey can I just follow you around and see what you do and just asking loads of annoying questions to everyone um <laughs> to try and pick stuff up use so I was, think like a key one's using other people's experience isn't it in property yeah I think when you're when you're getting into stuff you don't really know about it's it's good to try and just wrap a good team around you that do know what they're talking about and um and then obviously learn from them along the way but at the same time, I guess as the head of the project, you're expected to make decisions that they probably can't make. And, you know, if yeah, you or they the don't want to make the decisions yeah. like because they, they don't want to be held responsible if it's the wrong decision. Yeah, um, which is understandable. So was there a build team in place or did you have to go and find all that as well? Um, there was some people in, in place. There wasn't a project manager or anything like that. So I took that on and then I appointed kind of the guy who was, I guess, like second or third in command to day-to-day manage the, the on-site stuff and the groundworks and things like that. Um, so he kind of got promoted to that. Um, and then I took care of all, like, the legal, the planning, um, and then managing the trades as well. So he kind of builds the house up to where the roof goes on, and then I take over from there, getting yeah. the trades in to finish it. And what um, what what have you learned? I mean, there must amongst <laughs> probably a million different things. But what are the key things? Is the project finished now? No, I say we've probably got about six months left, but about four okay. four houses left to build. Okay, but the rest are all pretty successfully built. Built, sold, sold. Off or, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Amazing. you know what? Snagging lists, hardly anything either. <laughs> like they're they're pretty well built, even if I do say so myself. <laughs> Superb. So what what are the key lessons that you've learned from this experience that you could maybe, you know, help anybody that's looking to get started and maybe just sitting on the sidelines thinking twice about it? You know, you were thrown in at the deep end, you had no choice. And sometimes that's the best way because you probably would never have got into it otherwise. Never. I never would have tried to do this. It's too risky, like way too risky. Like taking out a big loan like that and then I just wouldn't have ever done it. Never. In fact, I, I didn't even take on what single refurb, you know, so I just would never have done this. And I think like that comes all down to mindset. Mm-hmm. So I think when you're forced into a situation, you do just rise to it and like you perform because you have to. So, and then that's kind of pushed me on to do other things as well. So for example, I built a buy to let portfolio on the side yeah of like 10 houses in 10 months doing the BRR method. So buy, refurbish, refinance. Yeah. Um, so again, that's just mindset because I knew I could do, I could build houses. So now I knew, well, renovating can't be as hard as building them. So I'll do renovations as well. But it's yeah. just mindset, having the right mindset that you can do it, having the confidence in yourself. And is the mindset something that you actively work on? Um, it is now. It wasn't. But I don't think... I don't think you realize that you're in a, a sort of a negative mindset or until you're not. So now I look mm-hmm. back and I think, well, I could always have done this, but I just didn't realize. Um, but but now, yeah, you know, 
following people like Stephen Bartlett and like just read his book uh, about you know, the difference that having a positive mindset can make. Uh, you know, you can watch inspirational people on Instagram and things like that. It, it does make yeah. all the difference. Yeah, I mean, you, you look into successful people all the time and there is a strong feeling that, you know, a lot of them do spend a lot of time on themselves. They do spend a lot of time researching other successful people and find out what they do. And, you know, and, and I think that is something that everyone should be doing. I know I certainly do a lot of it on a on a daily basis, really. And it's definitely, you know, helped me. Would you have, um, or, or should I say, question I haven't really asked is, have you actually enjoyed it? <laughs> I love it now. Like during those early days, first six to 12 months, stood on a building site in freezing cold weather, not knowing what I was doing. Nobody took me seriously. Um, no, I didn't enjoy it. <laughs> now, now I really enjoy it. Like creating something out of nothing is, is really satisfying and seeing you know, seeing it go from, you know, foundations to roof on and fit out and whatever. It's it's satisfying as a job and it's so varied. Like I yeah. I don't even know what's gonna happen tomorrow, you know, or this afternoon when we finish this. Like I don't know what's gonna happen. Something's gonna go wrong. There's gonna be a problem to solve or, you know, a legal issue to get around, but you just don't know what's coming. And that's what makes it, I guess, fun for me anyway. Yeah. So let's talk about the 10 BRRs because, you know, typically that is how most people get started with building their asset portfolio rather than mm-hmm. diving straight in the deep end and building 25 houses. But um, how, what inspired you to do that considering you probably already had quite a bit on your plate? I never do things by halves. So <laughs> I, uh, I thought, well, in for a penny, in for a pound. But I just, I'd been following other um, investors on Instagram and seeing what they were doing. And I thought, well, this is something that I can do on the side. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I'm part of this family business, this development business. um, But I could do this in my own, like just in my own name. So it's just my, you know, if anything ever goes wrong with this development business, because it is risky, Mm -hmm. I've got my own portfolio that is going to sustain me and sustain my children and, and give me that passive income. And that was kind of the aim of it, really um as a a safety net and also I was it's I'm already speaking to the trades every day um I'm looking at properties every day like I thought I can do this I can do this alongside yeah so did you actually obviously then probably had to teach yourself how to go and source properties and then I I think you were then going out on the viewings in between building your 25 houses yeah yeah I was so consequently I've stuck close to home Mm-hmm. Uh, because you know it's I can't spread myself that thinly like massive respect for people who are going to invest you know three four hours away um, and still managing to do that alongside like a full-time job and things but um, for me I just had to stick close to home um, and I get to keep the same trades that way as well so it's easier yeah yeah and piggyback big piggyback them from one project to another what exactly. um do you tend to just run them as buy to let? So have you dived into HMOs or service accommodation? Do you know what? I looked at, at turning some of them into HMOs and I was almost there. And then I chickened out last minute and I thought, you know what? Just let them just, I've got enough on my plate. I'm just going to go buy to let, like just a vanilla buy to let. Just easy. Something easy. Yeah. I'm just all about having an easy life as possible. I've got enough going on. Fair enough. And what, um, what's, 
what's the future hold? I mean, are you, are you looking to do more BRR stuff or are you maybe going to go back into property development stuff? Um, I am looking at some barn conversions at the moment. So quite fancy doing that. Quite fancy doing something that I can put my own stamp on. Yeah. You know, and because with new builds, like you, I'm sure like you know what it's like, they're very factory built. They're like, that. you know, <laughs> they all look the same. We've got the white windows, plastic, white plastic doors. The, you yeah. know, there's 10 of the same house type. It's so, so doing something more individual, um, I feel like would be quite satisfying and also less. So like maybe, you know, two barns rather than 25 houses seems to me a lot easier to manage. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I find it incredible what you've done in the last two years. I really do. I mean, I thought I'd moved quite quickly with what I'd done in terms of, you know, my acquisitions on the short-term rental side. But I think um, to put 25 houses together, having absolutely no knowledge and probably no desire to as well, as you said, for the first 12 months is, is pretty incredible. So uh, well done to you. Uh, I am actually in awe of, of, of that achievement. <laughs> I noticed... Um, on your Instagram and, and obviously on your show notes, um, you may be wanting to champion a bit for females in the development world slightly. Do you want to just talk about that a bit? Yeah, I think, you know, when I first started in development and, and in construction, which is really what, you know, what it is, like if you're on the ground in development, like you're in construction. So just very lonely as a female in that environment. And, you know, I'd get guys turning up on site and they'd come straight up to me and they'd go, oh, I'm looking for the man in charge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, another one. Um, so I feel like, yeah, it would be nice to see a 50-50 split between men and women. And, and men and women do have, like, different attributes that make them good at the job. You know, women are great at, like, multitasking and kind of managing projects. So it would be so nice to have that mix at the moment you know tradesmen tend to be men it would just be nice if there was more females I think and I think it would give then women more credibility altogether in the property industry construction development side of it because they are so also closely linked mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. why do you think there isn't enough women in the industry well I think it's a bit of a cultural thing um mm -hmm. And I mean, my dad and my brother were the same. They were like, you know, this is the, the man's business and, and you, you know, you do your marketing thing in an office. Uh, they're like, you know, they didn't really like, it wasn't really a woman's place on a building site. Um, and, and there's still a lot of that about. Um, and, but practically as well, you've got like, for example, the tools that men are using, they're made for men's hands. So women have got smaller hands. So if you want more women to, to do more skilled jobs, the tools have got to reflect you know that they're able to actually hold them properly um have be able to access you know protective equipment that fits um yeah. there's just so many things that need to happen and are you actively doing anything to try and make that happen or is it just kind of a, a, a sort of dream at the minute and then you when you I'm find just, a bit of time you might I'm <laughs> yeah i'm just i'm sharing my story and i get um i get girls messaging me quite a lot saying like oh my god I'd love to work in construction but like no one will take me seriously or um I just don't know how to do it so I'm kind of just sharing my experiences of working on site and in the hope that like people might see it and be uh realize that you know basically anyone can do it yeah no I, I think you're right I mean listen I mean you've probably proven that anyone can do it you know yeah I think um 
if you've got the right mindset and you've got the right motivation, you know, whether that's intentional or unintentional motivation, you will you will do it, you know, because all you have to do is solve problems pretty much mm. all day. That's every my day. job. I'm a problem yeah. solver, yeah. That's all I do. And if, if you solve those problems, it tends to lead to a solution which then moves the project forward or, or mm-hmm. moves you forward as a person. And um, you know, I've certainly found I mean, I, I got into my Airbnb game through solving a problem because I couldn't get a flat rented. So I was like, well, it's no good set empty. So what can I do? I'll yeah. go buy some furniture and I'll try this other route. And sure mm-hmm. enough, it started to work. And then I enjoyed it more. So I did more of it. Um, it goes back to mindset, doesn't it, though? But you didn't let that beat you. You were like, right, OK, how else can I tackle this? Yeah, for sure. I think the only time you fail is if you actually quit, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, if you don't quit, then you continue to march forward and, and you'll find ways out. It's not always going to be rosy. There's going to be lots of ups and downs. And I think as entrepreneurs, we do experience that all the time. You know, it's not always just one way up. You know, even the successful people, they have the their moments where, you know, shit has hit the fan or, you know, you've got a big problem that you need to sort out and you've just got to try and react and solve it. But I think that's what entrepreneurs do. They they are good at problem solving. They are good at figuring out a way to get out of a bit of a sticky situation and make and make good light of it and good use of it. So and it certainly sounds like like you've done that as well, which is is fantastic. So just as we wrap up, because I know I can tell you're a busy person. Um, the uh, very much just same same more BRR stuff this year, and just trying to build that asset portfolio up for yourself. Yeah, sure. So my ten in ten goal, I just need to finish that off. So I've acquired the ten properties, but I need to get them renovated and rented out, and like have those cash flow in. So I'd like to, yeah, in six months' time, I'd like to be able to say, okay, they're all cash flowing now. Okay. Um, and that gives me that steady bed of income then to concentrate then on development and take more risks, I guess. Yeah, I mean, is that something that's definitely probably being brought out of you, the whole risk side? I'm taking it you were maybe a bit risk averse beforehand. And I used to panic if I was like a hundred pound overdrawn, you know, before I got paid <laughs> at the end of the month. And now I'm just I can't even tell you how much debt I've got. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> like I wouldn't have been able to sleep two years ago having this, but it's yeah it's part it's, it's uh, part of the the business right it's you have to have working capital and you know you've got to get that from somewhere yeah for sure yeah i think um it's the money mind games or the money game in in property is again it's another mindset thing that you have to master because you know especially when you're going into development you are dealing with you know seven and eight figures and some sometimes you you're not familiar with that type of money sat around in bank accounts and it can become quite daunting and mm-hmm. um a lot of people would say it would be quite tempting but I think it's actually more the other way isn't it it's it's very well, like yeah overwhelming I mean, even, when, even when you've like where I'm at the point now where that's been paid off the, the loans have been paid off and you're into profit when you're in the last part of the site you're like well actually that's got to go back in the ground somewhere else now to keep that business you know you can never like just take it out and spend it that, that's not <laughs> so <laughs> always asset rich and cash poor when you're a developer yeah for sure yeah it's uh, listen it's been absolutely amazing having you on um if the um any of the listeners want to connect with you how can they do that how can they find you i'm on instagram only as um accidental female developer super and now i know what the accidental part stands for that's right <laughs> <laughs> thanks charlotte you've been an absolutely amazing guest i uh, really appreciate your time oh cheers ryan thanks for having me no problem take care bye